This week's episode is brought to you by Oma Dasala and her InstaDialer. Quite simply, the fastest way to dial up your next destination. Using cutting-edge multidimensionality that is barely understood, this thought technology is so easy to use, one could go from, oh no, I'm being shot at, to there's my way home in a fraction of a second. Simply be multidimensional and something of a god yourself, and you're on your way. The fastest way to go from here to there. Our thanks to Oma Dasala for sponsoring this episode. What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 Lock. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 68, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Divide and Conquer. Divide and Conquer. Divide and Conquer. We're an independent podcast. You can help keep this thing independent by visiting us on Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash walking through the stargate uh we're an interesting time zach so uh folks don't worry about throwing us money if you don't have to because things are a little bit goofy and uh uh i didn't i didn't talk to zach about this This it's gonna come as a surprise i was already planning on saying something to the effect of look if you're a sponsor for us right now and you want to be like "Mm, i'm gonna pause it for a minute that's totally cool it's just fine however if you feel like wanting to throw some uh, some bucks our way that would go a long way towards helping take care of zach's computing device uh it's our goal until further notice um which uh, the further notice is when the money comes in that pays off for his computing device because that's how that works uh we (laughs) we will always be keeping our podcast available where podcasts are available where podcasts are available where podcasts are available um I don't know why I repeated that so three times. It just where it's, podcasts are available. Yeah, it's like Beetlejuice. Okay. I think if you say it three times, they start showing up where podcasts are available. Ah, so okay, you know, yeah. like Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, every podcast aggregator that I've seen that allows you to search for podcast content. You can type in "Walking Through the Stargate" and there will be. Uh, and also, we uh, are generously offering the ability to do a dramatic recreation of Apple Podcast reviews. I didn't check the email, Zach. I don't know if anybody sent us a screenshot of something that they might have done internationally. Um, alas, no. Nobody alas, has. Alas, no. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, get on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review uh, because that's because that's 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 pretty rad. Now, uh, oh, yeah, wait a minute. We got we to thank you. There's a thing. There's another thing. There's another paragraph here, Zach. It says, There's another paragraph. Speaking of Patreon, <laughs> we'd like to take a moment to give a special <laughs> thanks to Austin for joining up. Thank you so much, Austin. Uh, yours and everybody's support is indeed very integral to keeping this thing going. We really do appreciate every single dollar, especially now. Boy, oh boy, especially now. So thank you very much. And if you want to get a thank you from me, if you, if you want to hear me, hello, if you want to hear me say thank you to you, you just need to go onto patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Spelt exactly as it should be, and you get to hear me say thank you to you. Nice. So, Zach, (laughs) if somebody somebody suddenly had to find a need to get a fan and fan themselves after hearing that, how might they let us know about how how, how to take care of that? Yeah, um, well, uh, first of all, uh, I concur with Brent. You know, this is weird times. This is unprecedented times. This is something that has never happened in my lifetime. Uh, and indeed, for most of us, most of our lifetimes, this mm-hmm. has never been the way things have been. And this is a new, unusual, abnormal, normal for us. And so, you know, uh, if if you have the money and you're able to and willing and wanting to participate and support this podcast, please do mm-hmm. so. And if you don't, uh, don't. Yes. <laughs> For crying out loud. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's sort of like the general rule. Like, if you can and you want to, do it. If you can't, don't. Yep. <laughs> it's really that simple. Yeah. <laughs> And so if if uh, after Brent's thank you just a moment ago uh, mm, has gotten yes. you all heated up and you need to tell Brent about it, 
<laughs> then you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is uh, walking through the stargate, spelled exactly as it sounds, uh, exactly as you would expect it, at gmail.com. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking and tell everybody in the Twitterverse how awesome Brent's thank yous are. Oh, well, uh, thank you very or much. Or you could go to Facebook. We've got a Facebook page and a Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. Check out those as well and uh, just have fun. That's yeah. the idea. That is the idea. Yeah. All right. So, Brent. Yes. Shall we dig into Divide and Conquer? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this episode was directed by Martin Wood. This is his third of seven episodes this season, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you may have realized that uh, this is the fifth episode so far this season, and he's directed three of them. Uh, So he's directed a lot. He's directed a lot. His name has been in there quite a bit. Yep. Um, The teleplay for this is uh, Tor Alexander Valenza. We've heard his name before. Uh, this is, however, his only writing credit this season. This oh, is his okay. sixth and his last writing credit of the series. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. oh, oh this is when we uh, say goodbye to Tor. Uh, his first credit was in season two with Spirits and then Holiday. Mm-hmm. And then in the third season, he wrote Legacy, Past and Present, mm-hmm. uh, and Ergo. <laughs> and so those are some actually some some really good episodes in yeah, there they are. and some less than good episodes in there uh, yes and then of course he closes up here with divide and conquer uh-huh. and after this we bid tor adieu adieu we have several guest actors worth naming in this episode mm-hmm. uh vanessa angel reprises her role of anise slash freya Although in this episode, we actually never see Anise. We only yeah, see Yeah, I was Freya. noticing that. Yeah. Um, this is also the last time that we will see Vanessa in Stargate. Oh, really? So we have this is it, eh? Goodbye. This is it. This is it. She had her three-episode run. Her three episodes and then done. gone. Huh. Okay. <laughs> um, we do have J.R. Bourne returning as Martouf. Yeah. Or Lantash. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hello and welcome to J.R. Bourne. Uh, uh, yeah. We have Kirsten Robeck, who plays Lieutenant Astor. Yeah. Uh, she was born in 1975, and uh, she's. And this is actually what apparently she wrote on IMDb. Uh, Kirsten Robeck is an actress, writer, director, and coach. She has her BFA from York University and has worked across Canada and the U.S. in film, television, and theater. Mm-hmm. She began her career as a ballet dancer, but made the transition to acting early on and has worked steadily ever since. She lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Her first credited role, according to IMDb, was in The Advocate's Devil, a TV movie in 1997 <laughs> when she <clever>. played an <laughs> attendant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a role that lasted about four seconds. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Uh, she has been in all sorts of television over her career. I'm not going to recount all of that right now, uh, but this is her only Stargate appearance. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, we also have Andrew Jackson. No, not the seventh president of the United nah. States. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not Old Hickory himself. Or wait, was that what was his nickname? Was it Old Hickory? Okay, you keep no. going. We look up that nickname. Shoot, it was something I else. A, I can't remember. It, I'll figure it out. But he was the guy responsible for the Trail of Tears. He is not. Oh yeah, a no, he's good no good. Man. No. <laughs> um, he played. So this Andrew Jackson played Supreme High Counselor Persis. He was born in 1963 uh, in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada to armed forces to an armed forces padre and a high school music teacher. As a child, Andrew enjoyed having access to the family music room, complete with 20 different instruments. He quickly mm. developed an ear for music and sound. And the highly talented actor has worked extensively in television, film, classical theater, commercial voice, and animation. 
Andrew Jackson's strong presence, character range, and facility for accents and sounds has enabled him to explore a diverse range of characters and genres. Wow. Uh, that was actually what Andrew Jackson wrote about himself, according to IMDb. And it's really funny that in his role here in Stargate, his entire vocal performance was uh, amplified and phased uh, in a way that made him sound like a ghoul because in, he was, well, his character was. Well, okay. A tok- he was a chokra. <clears throat> Sorry. They yeah, are persnickety about that, Brent. Uh, he yeah. can apparently perform over 65 different character voices and accents. Oh, my. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. He's been in tons of stuff from Alfred Hitchcock Presents to All My Children to Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Oh, my. And uh, <laughs> like Kirsten Robeck, this is also Andrew Jackson's only Stargate appearance. Gotcha. Uh, this episode aired on July 28th, 2000. Mm-hmm. Number one in the charts was It's Gonna Be Me, but it's oh. sink. <laughs> it's gonna be me. <laughs> Isn't this the one where they're bouncing up and down like puppets? Uh, which one are they not bouncing around like puppets? No, I mean, like, the music video is, like, it's it's that they were actually, like, they had to make up on, like, their puppets and the strings of their arms and such. I think, I think know, it's this one. Honestly, I have never sat down to watch mu- mu- movie, uh, music videos. Uh, well, with the, with the exception of a very few or few. Uh, I have seen Thriller. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's probably yes. the only one I could actually identify. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you, you, yeah. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that. Was anyway, so there you go. And in the UK, they were listening to "We Will Rock You" by Five and Queen. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I, don't I need know to look that this one, one up. You definitely know well, the one by Queen. I'm pretty sure. No, this yeah, is a yeah, cover. no, I I know that, but I don't know how this worked together. Well, I imagine it's probably a cover. It might be a mashup. So Probably. I hope it's a mashup. I love mashups, especially Ooh. when they're done well. So, all right. So, uh, so uh, I'm going to put this in the background here as you're about to go through the through the box office. So, yep. however you feel like it should be done, you go for it. Okay. Well. The Nutty Professor <laughs> Two. No, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but. As we imagine, you know, rocking out to We Will Rock You by Five and Queen, you will listen, recognize that number one on the box office charts was The Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. What Lies Beneath was number two. X-Men is the top three. Scary Movie sticks around at number four, as does The Perfect Storm, which yeah. has been around for quite a while, but still yeah. at number five. Let's see, I was trying to, Yeah. Good job. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take this... Yeah. See, I, I was trying to figure out how I could uh, get those words to fit the the, the melodies of it, and it, it just wasn't working. And I was like, "No, this just doesn't fit at all." So I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna go there. "Yeah, no sweat. Yeah, no sweat." Okay. So, what was happening about this time in mm-hmm. 2000? Well. A couple of days before, Air France Flight 4590, a Concorde supersonic passenger jet, uh, crashes just after takeoff from Paris, killing all 109 people aboard and four people on the I very ground. much remember that. I remember... I remember... Uh, I don't. Uh, I so don't remember for one. me, I was working on a crop farm, so I was still in college, but I was working on a crop farm that summer. And the guy that owned the farm wanted me to crawl up into the top of a grain elevator with a can of ether to take out a hornet's nest because farm. And <laughs> so, and oh, I'm yeah. deathly afraid of hornets. So I climb up to the top of this grain elevator, which is kind of tall to begin with, with a can of ether. And instead of being a smart person and like shaking the can as I'm like walking up or something, I decided to shake the can like right there in front of the hornets. And they're all like, oh, hi, we're going to sting you now. So I got <laughs> So I, I got a stinger uh, from one of the hornets, like uh, broke off in my um, thumb knuckle joint. And so my entire hand just swelled up like a balloon. I'm not actually like allergic to stings, but like if you have an entire stinger of a hornet break off into your hand, uh, you know, you have a bit of a reaction. 
So I was sitting in the, uh, um, sitting in the kitchen of the farmhouse, uh, putting some ice on my hands, waiting for this thing to kind of go down. And the news was on, and it had just, you know, it, and the the crash had just basically happened, more or less. Yeah. So, mm. mm-hmm. uh, and I can even tell you that it was kind of a, kind of a warmer day and a little bit sunny. I mean, remember, I remember a lot about that thing. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird but this is just the way it is <clears throat> yeah yeah that's that my story was, uh right around uh mm. julie's birthday so we were probably doing something uh for that uh mm-hmm. so who knows um oh i want you know i actually this is probably the day so July 24th is Julie's birthday, and that was probably 2000. It was probably the day I proposed to her. Ooh. I know I proposed to her on her birthday, <gasps> um, and it's got to be 2000 because we were married in 2001. See, it there you go. Two, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we uh, actually uh, went to the museum in uh, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I was living at the time, mm-hmm. where I grew up. And uh, we went to the museum, looked around there, and uh, then I gave her her birthday gift. And at the bottom of the package uh, was her ring. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Aww. I, I, Aww. Yeah. <laughs> and 20 well, years really, later, yeah. here we are. Look at that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of weddings, this is actually not an intentional segue, but it does work. (laughs) On July 29th, 2000, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt get married. Oh, this is when they get married. Uh, So that lasts however long that lasts. Uh, Not near as long as my current wedding. Nope. Which is your marriage, which is my only marriage. So uh, there you go. Okay. Yes. So. Moving on. <laughs> We're going to move straight to the trivia next. Uh-huh. Uh, so the device used for testing people to see if they are Zaytarks is actually very similar to the Voight Camp machine used by Harrison Ford in the movie Blade Runner to determine if someone is a human or a replicant. Aha! Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. So as is not unusual for Stargate, they like to... Uh, uh, borrow ideas from good places and tweak mm-hmm. them a little bit here and there to uh, make it valuable for their story. So, there you go. According to the DVD audio commentary, uh, in the scene that flashes back to the events in Upgrades, uh, mm-hmm. where Major Samantha Carter and Jack O'Neill are trapped on opposite sides of the fourth force field, uh, there were some lines written as they're supposed to talk to each other, as they're staring at each other, trying to decide, you know, Carter's like, go, leave me, it's okay. And he's like, no, I can't leave you. Uh, in that moment, there were lines that they were supposed to say. Um, yeah. But here the actor said, nah, we're just going to look at each other, and that's going to be good enough. And it was. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, also, according to the uh, co- audio commentary, I learned that when they were in the Tokra base on Vorash, like uh, some of the walls, the walls that kind of had that, uh, uh, well, look of a hay bale painted silver. Well, that's because they were hay bales painted silver. <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. Um, <sighs> and, and when I saw that, I was looking carefully. I'm like, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And it's like, it looks awesome. You wouldn't guess that at all, but, but there it is. Sure. It's pretty cool. Uh, this is the first episode, uh, this is, in this episode is the first time that we get Carter and O'Neill actually admitting to the feelings that they have for one another. Mm -hmm. Um, it's of course been hinted at numerous times in previous episodes, but this is the time when they actually look each other and says, do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, um... And then also when uh, Lieutenant Louise Astor uh, was recounting her experience of ultimately turning into a Zaytark, uh, they were in this big battle. Uh, they were reusing some of the footage that you that we found in season three, ep- season three's episode Into the Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, some of the, those uh, clips were, were resho- uh, reused for this. Mm hmm. And then when we look at this uh, episode in other languages, uh, French, Italian, Spanish, 
Czech, Hungarian, they all basically have divide and conquer mm -hmm. uh, as the title. And the Germans go Gipfeltreffen, uh -oh. which is summit. Nah. <laughs> Germany, Germany, Germany. All right, come on, guys. Look, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I get it. Being different is fun. Believe me, I know. But seriously, you can't tell me that there is not a phrase divide and conquer in German. You yeah, can't but tell it me wouldn't that. be near as cool as Gipfeltreffen. It would probably be cooler. Uh, anyway. What, what really <sighs> um, Germany. tickles me on this is that <laughs> there is actually an episode later on in the series titled The Summit. Or maybe oh, just some. So I don't remember if it's in uh -huh. a definite article or not. And I am now super curious to see what, what German the German calls name episode that name. episode <laughs> now that they've used it here. They probably call it Divide and Conquer. Probably. Probably. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Shall we dig into the synopsis here? Yeah, let's get into this. All right, here we go. Open on Vorash, the home of the Tok'ra. SG-1, along with Martuf, Freya, and several others, sit around a table talking about scheduling the playdate between the President of the United States and the High Counselor of the Tok'ra. Tuesday doesn't date. work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> Tuesday doesn't work. How about Wednesday? Does Wednesday work? The playdate is actually a summit to sign a formal <laughs> treaty between the two groups. As High Counselor Persis walks in to check on the progress, suddenly Major Graham goes berserk and starts shooting up the place with a small ghouled weapon. His goal appears to be killing Persis, but after he fails at that, though several others were lost in the process, he turns the weapon on himself and dies. Freya informs SG-1 that Major Graham's attack was not his fault. He fell victim to a new form of Guawuld mind control technology. He became what she calls a Zaytark. Martouf is not convinced in this whole Zaytark business, and when Freya says that she has a device that can detect, de that can detect a Zaytark, Martouf is there to point out that it is experimental at best. Still, with the threat of more brainwashed people in the SGC and the importance of the upcoming playdate, SG-1 brings Freya and Martouf back to the SGC to begin testing the personnel. Back at SGC, Freya starts to check the SGC personnel by beginning with Major Graham's team. Off-screen, the Toker are also testing everyone on their base as well, so you know, the playdate is safe. <laughs> Her testing discovers that Lieutenant Louise Astor is also a Zaytark. Astor agrees to undergo a dangerous procedure to remove the programming by damaging her brain. In the middle of the procedure, the pain becomes too intense. Astor begs for it to stop. She becomes violent. She breaks free of her restraints and begins shooting up the room, injuring several people before finally shooting herself in the head. Mm -hmm. Things look grim. And while any further attempts to remove the programming needs to be halted, testing for further Zaytarks can continue. Next on the list, SG-1. Freya straps each of the team members into her chair and questions them about their experiences recounting that was recounted two episodes earlier in Upgrades. Jack and Sam both test as Zaytarks. Well, that's not good. Mm -mm. Not even a little bit. Mm -mm. When it's determined that Zaytarks may attempt to harm themselves if they cannot complete their objective, Hammond and Fraser decide they need to sedate Jack and Sam until such time that they can safely remove the Zaytark programming. And this needs to happen quickly because you know the playdate will be happening soon. <laughs> and no one wants guns at a playdate. <laughs> That needs, to, that needs to be a campaign slogan. <laughs> no one wants guns at a play date. <laughs> yes, well, please continue. Neither Jack nor Sam like the idea of being sedated. 
And so Jack decides to go through with Freya's deprogramming procedure despite the risks. He, if he dies, then maybe the information gleaned can save Sam. Her brain is, after all, worth more than his. Jack is led off to get tested while Sam is preparing to get drugged up. While under the influence of the sedative, but not yet fully unconscious, Sam realizes something. She and the colonel lied in their Zatark testing. They didn't even realize they were lying. That's why the machine said that they were Zatarks. Quickly, they stopped the procedure on Jack. Sam and Jack talk. They care for each other a lot more than they ought to. They are tested again and are relieved when the test comes back negative. They are not Zatarks. But what about Freya? Could she be a Zatark? No, not possible. But what about Martouf? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. High Councilors Persis and a bunch of Toker are hanging around the embarkation room waiting for the president to arrive. And when the president steps into the room, Martouf goes crazy and begins shooting up the place. Martouf receives several bullets to the chest, but keeps going in his rampage. Teal'c hits him with a Zet Blast. He's stunned, but begins to turn his weapon onto himself. Looking deep into his eyes, Carter raises her own Zet Nicotel and shoots him, killing it before he is able to self-destruct. Everyone else is fine. But the death of Martouf is felt strongly by everyone there, especially Samantha. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Divide and conquer. Yeah. What'd you think? So, at the beginning, I was kind of, you know, like, somewhat enjoying the episode. Um, I gotta be perfectly frank. Uh, uh, Freya's outfit was significantly distracting, and the way that they were choosing to light her was also distracting. (laughs) It's as if they were trying to take a page out of Madonna's 1980s uh, playbook and uh, purposefully stick her into spots uh, of lighting that are just like, hello, chest. Um, but um, uh, after distracting for me as well. Well, I mean, that was the point, but, you know, it was. but still anyway. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, but once I started getting kind of into the groove of the story, I was, uh, at first for a brief second, I thought that there was a chance that it might be a clip show, at which point I was going to be very angry because I hate clip shows. Um, but nope, turns out it wasn't. Also, I noticed that they were using footage from upgrades that they did not use in the episode. Specifically, I don't think we saw that scene of Jackson, uh, picking up the Naquita and like chucking a bar down the hall. (laughs) to take yeah, out you're right absolutely <laughs> which was a that was a nice little scene and i doubt that they shot it specifically for this episode they probably shot it for the one before and they just didn't use it um <clears throat> and uh i also got a chance to relive the face squish on the saran wrap that was nice i like yes. that yes yes um so that was all good and then um when it got down into the meat and potatoes of the episode of you know sam and jack are zartex zart Zatarks. Zatarks. Xanax. Xanax. They're Xanax. Speaking of the, I have the, I usually have closed captioning uh, enabled on uh, when I'm watching these shows and uh, Xanax, it's X-A-N-A-X, right? That's how that's, that's how the brand is spelt. Um, But they totally in the closed captioning spelled it (laughs) Z-A-N-E-X. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if they were purposefully, you know, I wonder if in the script, it's written Z-A-N-E-X, right? In order to avoid any kind of like royalties. They didn't say Xanax. They said Xanax. Like, this is obviously a difference. <laughs> can, can you not hear if, the difference if between I these were, two? If I were to guess, I would bet that that's one of uh, uh, oh. Richard Dean Anderson's. <laughs> one of his ad libs. <laughs> his ad libs. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, speaking of, I'm starting to kind of pick up. At least I think I'm starting to pick up. Oh, yeah. Like the scene where he was flinging the yo-yo around and uh, Jackson was like, you see, these are the kind of or he, I'm, I'm going to mess up the line. These are the kind of, of um, Jack moments that I'm going to miss. What? What? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that one had me audibly laughing out loud. So anyway, so 
I'm in the middle of this episode and it's coming along and it's like, okay, all right, here we go. And we're, we got, we, 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 we've been infiltrated. How was, how are we going to get out of this pickle? And I was into the story. Like, you know, how are we going to get out of this pickle? And, uh, you know, that self, that self-sacrifice action of, of O'Neill there at the end, uh, for the sake of, of, you know, if it doesn't work, then, you know, hopefully they can learn a thing or two to save Carter. Uh, that felt, that was really cool. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good move. That's a, that's a good move. You know, and I'm sitting here like, obviously he's going to be fine. There's more of the television show left, but, um, you know, how we get there is always going to be a bit of a challenge. And then Zach, and then here we go. See right now I can tell, I know you Zach are basically on a knife's edge right now. You are thinking to yourself, Brent could go either way on this one because he's about to talk about the ending and either he's really going to like it or he's really going to hate it. You ready? You know, you know, that that is the precipice upon which I stand. Yes. And I am slowly opening my eyes and looking out across the horizon upon which your decision of how you determine what you're thinking about this episode is. And I am waiting with bated breath to hear and see the reality of what is before me. (laughs) I have never seen the feelings trope so skillfully integrated into a story like this before this was fantastic that you had to have an innermost feelings revelation you had to actually have the two characters who were kind of flirting around with their feelings for each other lay it on the line for their own survival and not in a dumb like kissing in the rain kind of a way no in a nice solid sci-fi look we got to tell the truth otherwise we're gonna get like totally screwed by this particular process so we got to be open and honest and this is the only way we can do it zach i haven't had i've never had a situation where i've watched an episode like that it was brilliant it was fantastic it was so much fun to have that moment where it's like oh my gosh they got to get into it so like now i'm like all in right like i i knew that there was a whole lot of friends out there that really love to ship sam and uh, jack to the to the hills all the time and you know and i was seeing it coming a mile away and i expect it's probably going to be more well developed but also it was really really excellently done to decide to do it in this way because you can legitimately go back to having tension between the two characters in this in this vein and it's plausible it's realistic it's not and it's and it's just like artfully done it's not one of these situations where you got to somehow come up with some goofy way to like roll the clock back or have a falling out that's supposed to bring the tension back in the old way but it never does it never works so you're able to reveal feelings without actually having to go through the consequences of the within the show later on i mean i'm sure it will but you know what i mean you don't have to immediately pivot into it it's not like they said i love you so much and started smoochy smoochy and now you got to deal with that for the rest of the episode for the rest of the series no you have this thing that's been bubbling under the surface all this time and you finally have an opportunity to kind of bring it to the fore in a way that is clever this was clever and yeah it's sappy but who cares everybody knows i like emotional stories this was a clever way to do it (laughs) and i don't know i don't watch a bajillion amounts of television so i don't know if anything else had done this before but i can't remember anything i'm very used to two characters who have this kind of attention remote romantic tension uh when they finally break that dam one of like three things happens number one they go kissy kissy off into the sunset hooray number two it's in the rain and they can't do anything about it i can't do anything about it and then they just fall apart uh and then thing number three is that like they kind of try to get away with never dealing with the consequences of revealing such feelings to each other but everybody knows that's fake and the movie ends anyway so it's kind of like you know okay what what are they gonna do who knows i don't know so like this was really really cool it was there it was a good story which is part of the reason why i'm a little bit bummed out that tor tor alexander Valen- valencia whatever like this is the last one because this was a good one i liked it a lot it was a good one how about you zach i enjoy this episode uh-huh I don't know if I like it to the degree that you are liking it, Um, but I like this episode. I think it's a strong episode. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really like about this episode is that it it crafts 
a three it like completes a, a three episode story arc that you didn't even realize it was a story arc. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which for the for early two thousands is amazing. They didn't do that back then, as a general rule. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see that on television all the time now. Although usually now it's even more than just three episodes. It's four, five, six, eight episodes, whatever. Right. Um, but but this is very rare in two thousand to see uh this kind of very subtle uh arc. Um, that, that's that's tied together with uh, with the Vanessa Angel's Anise and Freya character that begins with the upgrades, ends here with divide and conquer. You've got the 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 elements of the one story that fits back into this. I do remember at one point in time after watching this episode, hey, wait a second, uh, I need to go back and watch upgrades to see what was and wasn't there. Yeah, and I had to do that, and I'm like, okay, so this was there, that wasn't there. Wait a second. When did this happen? Oh my! You know all of yes. those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's great storytelling here. Um, the acting is really good. Um, you know, and it's about relationships, uh, right? Not simply Carter and O'Neill, but just you know the relationship between uh, Martuf and Freya, who clearly have something going on. They're not always friendly, friendly with each other, right? Uh, you know, um, then of course you've got an, uh, the relationship between uh, the Tokra and and the SGC. Uh, this whole thing is about that big old play date, ostensibly. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, at the very end, you have uh, the president. It reveals is actually the president, and uh, Persis says, "Well, maybe this be the last time either of our sides have to." Uh, deceive the other, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is kind of threatening in a way, uh, but it's right there as the relationship. Of course, we retread the the relationship between Martuf and uh, and uh, Sam. Yeah, there you didn't even talk about the ending. I there. didn't even talk uh, about the ending there. Uh, I'm we'll not get, because no, we'll get your yeah. th- thoughts on that. Just a second. Uh, you know, you've got the relationship between uh, Freya and O'Neill. Uh, which is kind of out of the blue. All of a sudden, boom, there she is kissing him. And you're like, wait a second. Right. What the heck just happened? Uh, but it also doesn't feel like it was misplaced. It, it felt uh, appropriate. Um, I love that scene there uh, when when his legs are just kind of, you know, set up on the table. And then she comes and kisses him and his feet just collapse to the floor. Yep. Just go, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, that's a great moment there. Um, I'm sure I'm missing several other examples of relationships in this, and it's just all about that, and, and it, it's tied together, um, uh, and uh, it it's a surprising one. I mean, you don't you don't know where this is going until it gets there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that uh, half the reason why I was so delighted about the about the um, Jack and Sam moment is because I didn't see it coming. Like, I just Mm. didn't, I just did not see this as the solution path at all. And when we got here, it was like, okay, all right. Yeah. So this is actually a meaningful way. And so, yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into the actual, like, you know, the end of the episode where Martuf is dead now um, and what that means for Sam. Uh, And that's partly because for me, that one just feels like, uh, oh, he turns out to be the bad guy. Well, you know, not bad guy, but, you know. He turns out to be the plant mole, the bomb. I don't know. Um, plant, you know, he's he the Zaytark. He's the Zaytark. And that's a bummer. And it costs him his life. And then this is the last that we'll be seeing of, of uh, Martouf, unless there's a flashback. Um, and even then, they better not use a clip because I hate clips. Um, I never said that. That this is the last time that we see Martouf? I never said that. Oh, he's and got now, a he's got a thing inside him. He's gonna be fine. He's got a thing inside him. He'll be fine. Uh, I didn't uh, say that either. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I love screwing with you just a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, the point of the matter though is that at least for me, on that the la- that last part is a little less. I don't know. It it felt a little less uh, amazing. That it, just because I've seen that a hundred times, right? Like I've seen, oh, turns out he's the bad guy. Kabang, he's dead. Oh my, that was the coolest one. Yeah, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Um, but I have not seen 
a love revelation being actually like deeply important to a plot point where the story is not a romance story. I just didn't like, I just haven't, I have not seen that as a, as, as a piece before. And, and it was a lot of fun to, to, to see it happen. I mean, as for Martouf's death, um, uh, you know, I, you kind of were dismissing it a little bit and then I don't know if it, it, should be dismissed quite so quickly. Um, I mean, sure, he gets in there, starts firing up everybody, and everybody runs away. Um, Teal gets that first shot, but then it's Sam, who has that very strong relationship with him, who has to sit there and look at him and and watch that pleading in his eyes. He's like, you know, do it. And she's the one that has to make that final shot. Yeah, but... Um, which, you know, she's not one to kill people. Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, I mean, that was, and then to kill somebody that, on some level, she loved. That's why it's um, bonk bonk over the head. That's. I mean, like there was a whole room of people with weaponry, and there was one other person with a zag gun in his hand. Like to have uh, Samantha Carter be the one who has to walk up and pull the trigger is definitely a little bit like bonk bonk. Like we're trying to make a point here, bonk bonk. It's like mm, yeah, okay, I've seen this point. Hmm. All right. So that's why, yeah, I mean, so that it's not like it's bad. It's just out of everything that I saw in this episode, <clears throat> out of everything that I saw in this episode, I have seen in other shows before this, I have seen uh, a, a tense working relationship between competing ideas. I have seen uh, a, a, an attempt at structured diplomacy for a really big, important thing. I have seen... Uh, uh, a character being thrown into an outfit that is a little bit ridiculous in order to make people drool. I have seen that same character go after a major character in the smoochy face in order to make hearts go, go, go pitter patter. I've seen, Oh, it turns out he's really the bad guy. Get him. Shoot, shoot, bang, bang. And you know, the person that actually has to, to do him in is the person that loves him most. I've seen that too. Uh, I've seen, uh, a little bit of deception. Actually, this wasn't the president of the United States. I've seen all that. What I haven't seen is we've got to get into the guts of this tense emotional relationship between two major characters that is going to change the face of the story entirely. But we're going to do it in a way that doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel over the top. It feels like it integrates into the story really, really well. And also it is done in a way that lets us plausibly pretend like that tension is still there between these two characters because they had to do it within this very specific structured situation. And they looked at each other and they said, this stays in the room. Yes, it stays in the room. Like that one was believable. And that was the thing I'm jumping up and down about because it's like, that one was cool. That was a nifty little moment. I haven't seen that before. It was fun. It was very fun. I see. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I don't have a response to that, Brent. You're not wrong on any of that stuff. <laughs> um, you know, th this, is, this is one of the things that I love about this podcast is that uh, I have seen these episodes enough. Yeah. Um, that uh, uh, they're not they're not new. I like them or don't like them depending on the situation, you know, sure. uh, all of that stuff. But none of them are new. Right. And I love this opportunity to listen to you nerd out or yeah. rail against or, or, or analyze or whatever it is, these things, because it's like I get to see it again. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I, I would like, you know, did you, were you... Uh, expecting the Martouf thing at the end? Was that no. something that you're like... No, I totally forgot about... I, I completely forgot about the A story at all, like, entirely. Like, by the time that that Sam, that, that Sam Jack thing was done, I was like, oh, right, 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 we got a spy. I forgot about the spy. Um, and, you know, like, even then it felt a little... Um, I think it would have been possible... No, no, I guess not. Uh, I was about to say, I think it might have been possible to tell the story without having there be a bad guy, ultimately. Like, maybe they got the bad guy at the start. Like, it was what's-her-face? Um, what was her name? Major Aster. Aster. Lieutenant Aster. Lieutenant Aster. Um, so, you know, in that respect, it felt... Whatever. I mean, it was, it was, it was fine. 
no, I didn't see it coming. Um, yes, it was a surprise. Yes, it was well acted. Yes, it was well, you know, it was, it was fine. It was, it was plausible. Even the, you know, the, 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 the you know, double of the president was a little plausible. It felt a little weird that the, um, uh, that the Tokra would not have recognized, presumably they got a person that looked a lot like the president in this particular timeline, I guess. Uh, one would assume. Yes. Um, I do always love these contemporary stories, though. Like, were they going to try to get somebody who looked like Bill Clinton or not? Like, it was one of those moments of, of like, uh, you know, do you do it that way or do you just just go in and be like, nope, the president of the United States is this other this other dude over here. Um, anyway, uh, am I sad that for all intents and purposes right now, I believe that I will never see Martouf again? I don't know. I mean, I, he was not my particularly favorite character this entire time. I mean, it was he was fine. Um, nothing against him. It was just he wasn't. It's been fine. It's been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I I haven't seen enough instances in the story with his character to make me think to myself like I'm really gonna miss him. Um, you know, Samantha is going to be feeling very differently for a multitude of reasons. So, right. you know, that's important. Uh, and I hope that, uh, you know, assuming that we don't see Martouf ever again, I hope that we give Samantha Carter some space in order to recover and heal from that because uh, Jolinar is probably also, uh, you know, f- for as much of consciousness as Jolinar has in Samantha Carter, which is not a lot, just the memories. Um, but that there matters too. There was an episode too. about that, wasn't there? About uh, Jolinar's memories? Yeah. 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 Okay. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, if if we uh, pivot from this thing, if we basically pull a, um, what was Daniel Jackson's wife's name? Sharae. Um, Sharae. And she's dead. She's definitely dead, right? As far as we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm just kind of piecing it together because with, um, with Gould, their death can be for real or kind of not real and so it's it's a bit tricky so you know uh for for the goa world they have access to sarcophagi so if they were to die it would be in theory possible for uh their bodies to be put into the sarcophagus and then the sarcophagus would heal them and then they would be not dead anymore but it's... Uh, in the case of share um they took her body after she was killed and then buried her with That's the right. Abedonian people yes so uh, she's dead, dead as far as we know. Yes, there. and we did the little uh, thing with the scale. We also have learned yeah. that the sarcophagus is something that uh, the sarcophagus is something that messes with your mind, and so right. the toker don't use the sarcophagus, which means if they die, they are dead. Yes. Okay. Thank you for yes. I appreciate that. Actually, for real. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I'm not as bummed out about. Um. Martouf's death. Oh, wait, I was going on about uh, we need to give Samantha Carter time to recover because we kind of didn't with Daniel Jackson. Um, Sharae dies and Daniel's upset, but the character. Like we were kind of I get the feeling that in seasons one and two and into three, we kind of had this uh, Sharae and Scara story that we had to do something with but it always felt like this tag along that we kind of had to finish just just finish this thing off so that we can move on to something better um which is which is sad that's not the way to be doing it but that's kind of where we were we had better stories to tell and the charay scara story was not particularly that compelling anymore so we had to to sort of tie this one up with a bow and we didn't want to tie it up with a happy ending bow much is scara still alive I guess he is, isn't he? Um, Scar, is, Scar is still alive. Yeah, but we're just never going to see him again. Um, and yeah, but that's okay, right? We, we're we're going to be moving on. However, um, what we didn't do is that we didn't give Daniel a chance, at least on screen, to sort of grow through that. It's just is not, he's, he's just now beyond it or like he's just like after the fact. Uh, who was who was trying to, who, you know, somebody was trying to mack on him recently and he was all like, you know, yeah, this, is, this works out. I can't remember who. Um, uh, this past yeah. week has felt like a 15 years. So, you know, it's like, I can't, it's, I can't seem to recall much. Here, yeah. yeah. 
but you know what I'm saying though? Like, like it, it, it feels like we have a tendency to kind of rush these characters and I get it, but it would be nice if we can give her at least a chance, especially if Martuf is really gone to, um, mourn and it would be all right to see that it'd be good, but I don't know if we will. So, so there's well, that. We'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah. One. Um, now that said, speaking of Share, um, we didn't give him a whole lot of time to uh, mourn, but then at the same time, he barely looked like he was married to begin with. Yeah, so. I mean, that's why this particular example doesn't seem to hold a ton of water just because of that very fact right there. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, right, right, right. Carter's married. Shoot. Uh, sure. How about we have her die? How, how Will that work? Will that work? Everybody okay with her dying? Good, good, good. Okay. She's done. It's Jackson is married, not Carter. Oh, I keep getting my character screwed up. That's okay. That's okay. Well, um, Brent, mm-hmm. do you have anything more to add to uh, Divide and Conquer? I don't think so. How about you? Has it been divided and conquered to your heart's nest content? <laughs> Such such that I wish to see an episode divided and conquered. Yes. <laughs> it, it it has it has met with my satisfaction. <laughs> awesome. Well then, if you have satisfactorily divided and conquered this episode, yeah. then there is but one thing left to do. Yes. And that is to give it chevrons. To give it the and chevrons. so I ask you, how many chevrons does this episode get? So this thing started off fine. Um, and the story was interesting. And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't notice the silver painted hay, hay bales because I was paying attention to the story. It was plausible and it was kind of constructing it well enough. And the problem was a good one. And then we had this little moment where I am nerding out just because it just happens to be something delightful that I hadn't seen before, but now I've seen it. So, you know, there, there, that went. Uh, And then it wrapped up in a way that I was like, Oh, right. The A story is still technically going on. (laughs) So I guess (laughs) guess that's got to end. So it was, it was barreling towards a solid, like positive middling, um, but it's gonna get a it's gonna get a whole chevron bump because of that little moment there where we have a nice development uh, in the relationship between Sam and Jack in a way that I thought was pretty well done, p- super plausible, so well acted. Like uh, there was a lot about it that was really, really, really good. So um, I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give it six out of seven chevrons. Um, but that six has everything to do with that ending uh, between, well, that middle ending between Sam and Jack. Uh, otherwise, it would have been it would have been about a five, but but that one that one bumped it up for me, so oh. felt pretty good. All right, um, well, uh, I agree with you that this is a a, a new way of of uh, sharing that love story that that is unique and 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 works for the story, works for the characters, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I enjoy this episode. And I can't give it six chevrons. <laughs> hey, um, you're just you're lucky I didn't give it seven. I mean, I wouldn't, but you know. Well, well, you know, if you had given it seven, I would have said you're plain simply wrong. I mean, it's a good episode. <laughs> it's just not that good. This one, this one falls less than less than six. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, this this actually falls into the five category for me. This is mm-hmm. a five chevron episode. Sure. Um, it, uh, I, I, I like what you were liking about it. Um, I, I don't have the problems that you do. You know, I mean, this is not consistent because, uh, it, it, based on how you and I had this conversation, you would think that I actually liked it a little bit more than you. Uh, and yet, uh, it, I don't know. It just, so for me, it's a five. So the, the, do, do not underestimate for me that I enjoy watching film and television uh both for their stories and also for the craft and so when i see something new um especially anymore uh new to me um i am very excited when it's done well and 
that's because I really do enjoy the medium. Um, sure. And so, you know, like groundbreaking movies, I love, I love cinema so much, especially when it's done well. Um, and that, that moment, that scene, um, it wasn't enough to make me say this episode is just unmissable. Uh, it's so good. It's just brilliant. But that one little bit, that little, that, that, that take on, on the story of these two characters need to tell each other how they feel. That was just fun. I had never seen it done like that before. Uh, it felt very natural and it, and, and it felt very realistic and also recoverable. Like it was just, it was, it was just artfully done. It was a lot ah. of fun. Well, there you go. Well, Brent. Yes. You give this six episodes, six episodes. You give this six chevrons. Uh-huh. I give it five chevrons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have predictions. Oh, yes. Uh, prediction number one comes from my wife, Julie. Hi, who Julie. Who handed me a slip of paper. <laughs> uh, and she pred- predicts S's all... Oh, that's a five. Fives all around. <laughs> S's all around. S chevrons. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, we have uh, another uh, friend of yours. This is just and mine, Justin. Oh, hi, Justin. Uh, uh, sends out uh, uh, predictions for us. This is the first time Justin's actually given a prediction at yeah. least in a long time. Yeah. He says, asks the question, how long did Teal'c's bleached goatee last? <laughs> and yeah, longer than this episode. <laughs> Oh, so bad. I can't wait for him uh, to get rid of that thing. Yep. And he predicts that you, uh, well, he will predicts that I will give this episode five chevrons. Right on the money. And he predicts that you will not like it quite as much as me and give it but four chevrons. Yeah, that's, that's respectable. So we uh, are dancing around our various predictions, but we do have... A couple more to go, and uh-huh. I need to pull up our email. First, uh, three, maybe. Three. Three more predictions. Three more. Three more. Here comes Arnacht's prediction. Hello, Arnacht. Divide and Conquer is another episode that's just okay. It conveniently introduces a possible love interest and kills off the previous one with the same event. Yes, yes. I'm sure there are some plot holes with the Zetarks, though... And the episode doesn't raise that many interesting discussions, topics, aside from the ethics of mind-reading technology. Oh, yeah. I'll guess that Brent and Zach both give it for Chevron. Solid logic. Very solid, solid logic. You know, I think part of what's happening for me as we go this episode is there's enough happening in the world this day <laughs> and this <laughs> month. <laughs> That uh, we just uh, need something to work out. <laughs> well, you know, my 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 issue is that uh, you know my my ability to really chew on television is not as strong as it I is. Completely agree um, because it's my head's in different spaces. Yeah. Um. But uh, you're right. Uh, there is something worth chewing on there about reading somebody's mind and determining whether they're lying or not lying. Uh, and if they don't even realize they're lying, there's something to that. But yeah. uh, my brain just wasn't there to go there. So thank you, Arnok, for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. We have another prediction from David. Hi, David. David says, good episode. Lots of tension in the interrogations. Even if we know there is no way it would be anyone in the SG-1 team. Right. <laughs> uh, nice callback to upgrades as the actual source of the repressed memories, adding to the tension. The reveal of who the mind control victim is was nicely revealed as well, and a bit tragic too, as he was one of the nicer Tokra. Six chevrons from both Brent and Zach. Oh man, everybody's getting super uh, close. You know, th- this this may be David's closest prediction to us. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's just been one off. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't fault him for that. There, there you go. All right. We have one more prediction. This comes from Clay Matthews. Hi, Matthews. Clay. Clay Michaels is his name. The Seven of Nine effect continues in this episode, he says, <laughs> and gets worse when her host comes from a planet with fewer inhibitions. Oh, gosh. That was so dumb. That was yeah. dumb. Uh, I mean, it was well acted. 
Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay, Brent will rate this episode four chevrons because it's well acted and directed, but isn't terribly interesting. He may appreciate finally seeing Sam and Jack's relationship explicitly shown. Uh-huh. This episode has more of Jack voicing distrust of the Tokra, which I think he will appreciate. Zach will rate it also for chevrons because of Jack and Sam's relationship making it progress, uh, and and the good acting. There just isn't much to chew on besides anyone could be a Zatark, which that was, isn't that yeah. interesting. That's that was that was true. That was true. Yep. It was a little bit a little bit frustrating. Middle of the episode, I kind of forgot about that. Middle of the episode, I was kind of feeling a little bogged down. Like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, is it is it going to be that? Like, you know, anybody can be. We're not going to have an episode where like we have like McCarthyism. Um, so where is this going to go? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, Brent, we don't have any more predictions. Thanks, everybody, to give us predictions. Thank you very much. Uh, keep sending them in. Uh, you can email us or you can uh, post them on Facebook. I try to uh, make sure that the uh, promo for that current episode that we're recording comes out early morning Saturday, as early as I can and remember. Uh, and we usually record around 9.30 in the morning central time. Usually. So that's sort of your 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 time to uh, get those predictions in there. Of course, you could also email us. Um, uh, those are the best ways to, to get your predictions in. Uh, today we had to record later in the day because life, life. is weird. Um, so the next episode, Brent. Yes. Is entitled Window of Opportunity. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And I ask you, what will we see when we watch Window of Opportunity? Okay. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. It is a civilized world with many a fantastic invention and a beautiful art scene and a, a, and a rich culture. But one thing that they have, which they don't want to talk about much, although they have to deal with it head on, is a bit of an outbreak. Yes, we're going to have a topical little discussion here. But that's okay, you see, because everybody's going to be fine if they just wash their hands and stay within six feet of each other. But also importantly, when they get a little hungry and they need to get a little pizza, do not go to the parlor and sit on the table, at the table, still enjoy your pizza. No, no. You need to get into your transport device and go get your pizza from... A window of opportunity. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 as we're taking this thing seriously and enacting social distancing with window of opportunity. I have just one minor correction for you there, Brent. What? Uh, You need to stay not within six feet. (laughs) You need to stay without six feet. (laughs) Like where everybody stays within six feet of each other. I'm like, that's no, a no, lot. No, that, that would be a lot of. Uh, that's yeah. That that would be pretty packed. <laughs> that would that would that would that would not work out. Uh, that's the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. That yep yep. So you know, aside from that, you you uh, nailed current events very 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 right there on the head. Yeah, but did I? Uh, but this is what the episode is going to be about, right? It was twenty years yeah. prescient. Yeah. Uh, absolutely uh, sure uh shall we watch the promo that david so uh, artfully made for yes, us and find absolutely. out exactly what uh, window of opportunity is all about yeah it's about pizza i already know this yeah okay naturally pizza okay okay are you ready yes <laughs> hitting go now next time on stargate sg1 an accident while on a mission leaves teal and colonel o'neill stuck in an unusual situation all right, here's the deal. We're all stuck in a time loop of some kind. Uh-oh. However, Teal'c and I seem to be the only ones realizing. Uh-oh. <laughs> we just I've seen it. this episode. We didn't. I believe we did, didn't we, I can't remember the start. Sorry, sir. I didn't realize you were there. You have said that on many occasions. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> Events do appear to be repeating themselves. I'm taking this loop off. Find a way out of this soon. <laughs> I'm not losing. Sorry, sir. I didn't realize you were there. 
It's all next time on Stargate SG1. Sure, sure, I didn't realize. Ha 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 no, we didn't. I believe we did, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So what was the name you of that start? The worst part about being stuck in a time loop is... That you get hit in the face of the door every, t- every like, time loop? No, what's you the worst what the part worst about-, about being stuck in a time loop is? Being getting hit in the face of the door several times? You know what the worst thing about being stuck in a time loop is? Being hit in the face... With the door several times? You know what the worst thing about being stuck in a time loop is? You know, somebody's going to say, did Brent just like audio loop this thing several times? Or did they actually do that several times? The answer, You friends? know what the worst thing about being stuck in a time loop is? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We're going, we're going nuts. We're going, we're going insane. Yes, we uh, are. Okay. So, uh, that is window of opportunity. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Special thanks to David for uh, that promo. That was uh, great. Awesome. Uh, great work, David, as always. Um, tell us what you think about Divide and Conquer. Yeah. Uh, you can email us. You can follow us on Twitter. Talk to us there. You can go to Facebook and have wonderful conversations with not only us, but with other people who also watch this cool show and mm-hmm. listen to this goofy podcast. <laughs> uh, tell us uh, what the worst thing about being stuck in a time loop really is. It's when you get hit in the uh, face of the door. Is. It could very well be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just talk to us. Have fun. Yeah. And stay safe. Yeah. Do 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 right. Do do right by you. Be kind. Be awesome. Help yourself. Help your friends. Help your family. Founder biological. Indeed. Yep. Yep. Well, then, uh, until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. You know what the worst thing about being stuck in a time loop is?